Warriors, Wizards, One Shot! Over at Kickstarter.com, the One Shot Podcast Network is currently funding the first season of The Dungeon Dome. An actual play experience that combines the style of professional wrestling with the storytelling power of Dungeons and Dragons. Performers will take on the roles of fantasy gladiators, battling it out in player versus player matches for wealth and glory. The Dungeon Dome will feature some of your favorite actual play performers, including Cat Cool of the Campaign Podcast, Mike McDowell of the Neo Scum, Pat O'Rourke of the Dungeon Rats Podcast, and Aram Farshid of God's Fall. But we can't make this project without your help, so head over to Kickstarter right now and look up The Dungeon Dome. 25 bucks gets you a seat, but you'll only need the edge. Everything is Awesome is part of Courts and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, movie, and geek podcasts. Check out some of our other shows, like TV Ate My Brain, Let's Chat with Revelin' Friends, and Podstalgic at courtsandparts.com. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. I'm still trying to find the right place uh, to insert, and we stole this from Doom Thugs because they say that the new number one podcast in Delco. I'm trying to find the right place to put number one podcast in Bucks County. I haven't figured it out yet. That's why I haven't really said it yet. But um, because we're interviewing a, a local person, I just want to say it so that he can give me props. Uh, for being the number one podcast, maybe the only podcast in Bucks County. Uh, we have to this week, uh, he's a going to be part of the fifth annual Philadelphia Podcast Fest. Uh, he is a native who, who got out of this area to go on to bi- do bigger and better things. You may know him from various projects such as the Venture Brothers. Welcome to Night Vale, Tights and Fights. And of course, we got this with Mark and Hal. Please welcome to the show, Hal Lovelin. Hal, thanks for doing the show. Dude, thanks for having me. It's it's nice to be back in in the Bucks County vicinity, even if it's just my voice right now. So yeah, so so I don't know because I know like if you go on to IMDb or uh, Wikipedia or various other places, like there's never a single answer because um, I've seen Philadelphia and I've seen Sheltonham. Uh, yep. So whereabouts are you from in this area? <laughs> I'm just a mystery. I'm, th- I'm from parts unknown. That that one neighborhood of Philly in between the Northeast and and uh, when we get into like Gerard Avenue. No, uh, I. Uh, was born at Rolling Hill Hospital, which is why Sheltonham is listed as my birthplace. Oh, which okay. is now like a completely, it's not even called Rolling Hill anymore. That's how old I am. Uh, and then I was raised in the Northeast, right okay. near Castor and Cotman. And then we moved out to Montgomery County and Huntington Valley. And okay. that's where my dad lives to this day, right just south of County Line Road. So oh, okay. a, a few years ago, uh, early on in the podcast, Mark and I recorded in the basement of my father's house. So oh, we were wow. close to becoming the second podcast in Bucks <laughs> County, but we were still on the Montgomery side. So your turf is—you keep your turf. Yes. We'll keep Monco, and we'll be there fine. There you go. 
I like it. It's it's interesting because ever since, so I've been podcasting for a long time, and in mm-hmm. fact, I believe an episode that's going up uh, shortly will be our ten year celebration. Oh. Uh, not for this show. This show has only been around for about a year and a half. But like I've I started in two thousand and seven um podcasting and uh i didn't know and i'm sure like 10 years ago there was nobody podcasting in this area and it's funny i like i started emailing people for interviews to to help celebrate the podcast fest i was like yeah i i'm in bucks county so it's probably just easier to uh to do this uh, remotely so you know because like my studio is literally my shed like i mean i i don't yeah. I, i'm sure uh, you know that many startup podcasts start out in their living room or in some sort of uh weird place so luckily i don't have to break down but i'm also remodeling to make it a proper studio yeah so uh, I've, I've been using the excuse i'm on bucks i'm in bucks county you're in philly let's let's not even do this in person and yeah. i had two or three people who are also in bucks county so i know i'm not the only i'm still keeping the claim of number one though uh but I, yeah they're like yeah we can just come there we're in bucks county too i'm like oh crap <laughs> uh, so it, it made me have to speed things up when uh with with my remodel which uh, spoiler alert uh is not done yet <laughs> so how far along so what i i heard in one of your other episodes you were talking about recording with your kid and now your kid yeah. wants to record all the time but you're remodeling so you yeah. can't go in like what you got to put up the sound panels right well, no. So this this shed had the pegboard uh, walls, oh, and okay. so I'm like, I don't want. I want this to look like nice. So I, I ripped down the walls. Uh, I started hanging uh, drywall. Right. And um, I I got uh, three panels up, and I was like, all right, I'm going to uh, set this aside for later, because uh, it's it's not easy. As it turns <laughs> out, when you're a one man per operation, uh, it's not easy to do that stuff. And I'm not like. Um, there's a reason I work in IT for my day job. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, no, he, my son is super, like, he's super into the idea of podcasting, which is great. Like, I have someone to pass this empire on to. That's right. You have to have an heir. Yeah, Very important. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so you're, so, so, um, Nathan from, um, the, the Philadelphia Podcast Society and the Podcast Fest, he, uh, randomly sent me a text and he's like, you want to uh, you want to interview Hal? I'm like, why would you ask? Like, my answer is going to be yes. <laughs> so uh, we can thank. So do you know Nate outside of the podcast fest? I know Nathan through his wife Tegan because I was on her podcast a while oh. back, and they are friends with uh, one of my best friends in the entire world who still lives in Philly. Um, so it's all one, you know, like everything in Philadelphia. Everybody knows everybody somehow. You're connected to everyone in some way. Yeah, yeah, it's um it's it is wild like when I um like going down to uh the Maniunk area, I I randomly bump into like one of my uncle's old friends and they're like and I look exactly like my uncle so they they remember me. And they're like, Kev, right? I'm like, yeah, this is weird. I don't know you. And then the, and then we get the backstory. Yeah, it's like everyone knows everyone. Um especially in like small dunk like in the 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 uh, suburbs of Philly. Everybody yes, knows everybody. Absolutely, we're just a big family. Yeah, yeah. Which is, it's great. It's uh, f- what I love about Philadelphia. Um, aside from the fact that, like, the like actual logistics of being within two hours of pretty much anywhere I ever want to go, uh, uh, is that like, it's just like 
we are we're we're the bad guys. I love that about Philly, but like, but we ha- we we protect our own. Yes, absolutely. You know, you you said in your intro that I got out, but I, to me, if I could have stayed in Philadelphia and pursued mm. the career that I'm that I'm uh, pursuing and building out here now, I never would have left because I love it there for that exact reason. You know, we're I think we're misunderstood oh, more yeah. than we're villains as a city. Like we're real. Really, I've seen super nice, random acts of kindness by strangers in Philadelphia, and then New York, which still to this day, like I asked someone on the subway a question and couldn't hear them, and I repeated it. They were like, "We were bothered before." Like immediately, (laughs) they're so mad. Do not have time for me. Like that's not. I don't think you get that here. No, I don't think you do either. And. It's it's nuts because I feel the same way about New York. I don't go there very often uh, right. because I, I, there's really no need to. Everything I really want to do is within you know just a 45 minute ride from from Bucks County. But every now like we did a live show up at the Producers Club uh, mm-hmm. last October, and um, so I'm I'm walking around New York and I dig it because like it's the first time I've been in New York in a few years and I'm like enjoying it and it's but I don't get that friendly feeling of like going up to talk to people that I do in my hometown. And I, I wonder if that's a thing that like, just everyone kind of knows that you're from Philly just by your look maybe, or there's, there's something going on. Cause everyone is super nice around here. Yeah, no, for sure. And I look, I lo- I've performed in New York for several years and I, I love it there. I have a lot of good friends there, but there's definitely like, you know, we grew up with a chip on our shoulders because yeah. we're 90 minutes away yeah. and we don't have the Yankees. We don't like, Everything there is storied and everything there is portrayed as the best, whether it is or it isn't. So because of that, even though we're, what, the fifth biggest city in the country, it definitely feels like a smaller community. And no matter where you are, if you meet somebody else from Philly, you have an instant connection. And no matter what neighborhoods you're from, like a shared experience. And I think think New York, because of the boroughs, doesn't have that exact same thing. When we did... um so Tattooed Mom uh, is one of my favorite spots in in the city and on South Street. Uh, they have become a great friend to the podcasting community. Uh, my first live show with, with Everything is Awesome was at Tattooed Mom, part of the podcast fest last year. And I loved it so much that when we did our uh, anniversary show, uh, which was basically like a mini podcast fest, I gathered uh, four other podcasts and we just did one, one day event at uh, Tattooed Mom. Uh, during that event, I went out to go grab a drink, and there was a, a Philadelphia local Philadelphia guy, but wearing a Patriots jersey. Oh come on! So, so, uh, and, and Brady, of course, Brady, of course. Yeah, so, of course, of course, it's Brady. Him and I got into it, but like friendly, like we were like I bought him a drink when I left. Like I bought him and his and his wife a drink when I went back to the podcasting room. Uh, but we, we, yeah, we just like it was friendly banter and. Like just, I didn't know this guy, and it was just like I was talking to one of my friends about sports right off the bat. That's, you know, I've definitely have never gotten that feeling anywhere else. But I will say this about uh, me as a Philadelphia guy, and maybe this was me as a Philadelphia guy in my twenties when uh, I used to travel for work a lot, and uh, we went. I, one trip took me to Dallas, so I said, "Okay, I know what I'm gonna do." Because I'm I'm from Philly and I'm awesome. Oh, I dress head to do, head to toe in Eagles gear. Sure. Uh, and I walk up to the first Dunkin' Donuts that I see uh, in the airport with chip on my shoulder, and I'm like, "Hey, buddy, I need a coffee." And like, he was super nice. 
<laughs> and was like, oh, sure, buddy. Oh, you know what? The Eagles are doing really well this year. Oh. And and I, I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for the coffee. <laughs> Tail between my legs because I was like, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> this is why people hate people from Philadelphia because I am the stereotypical villain. <laughs> Let me offer you another angle on that story. I think that's really a story about how bad Dallas is at being a football fan city. Like, yeah. they don't get it. Like, don't pretend like we're not your rival. I'm sure the second you left, they, like, flipped a switch and all the Cowboys posters flipped over. Like, a golden <laughs> Emmett Smith statue descended from, from the heavens. You know, uh, yeah. it's like I've met some people who are like Cowboy, you know, Cowboys fans just mystify me. I, I don't get it. Oh God, especially the ones that are here in Philly. Like, yeah. And I, and I get it. Like when I was, when I was a kid, I'm, I'm a, I was born in 84. So, uh, I grew up in like that cowboy era where everyone was a Cowboys fan because they were winning championships in the nineties. Yeah. Um, but me, like I was a Randall fan. I was like, I bleed green. And to this day, it's the same. Like, I don't care how bad my team is. Like I'll tell them off. I'll yell at my TV screen. But at the end of the day, I'm not rooting for any other team uh, that's playing the Eagles at the very least. Like I have, a, I have my other sports teams that I like in football, but like especially NFC East. Like I, I could, I despise the 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 you know Cowboys and the Giants and Redskins, and it mystifies me. Like you said, to to see Cowboys fans in Philadelphia, uh, it's just it, and I mean they're all over uh, too. I, I mean, I, I it's it it's just weird. It's so yeah. weird. I knew some growing up, but I always just thought to myself, who hurt you? Who did this to you? <laughs> like, you, I get it. Look, it's not easy being a Philadelphia fan. I, I was born a few years before you, but I was alive for pretty much uh, all the terrible years of the Phillies, and now that's happening again. Yeah. Countless terrible, you know, the, the terrible Sixers of the early to mid-90s and the, the trust the process Sixers of now, the Flyers being good and bad, the Eagles making all those NFC championship games. I was at the Super Bowl that they lost. Oh my god! Was, I mean, which was great. One of the the second best sporting experience I've ever had. The okay. first was was Game Five of the 2008 World Series, yeah. uh, which I I stayed, and then it got snowed out. You remember, like halfway yes. through, and then I had to fly back to L.A. And so my best friend got my ticket, and he and my dad went to the Sixers season opener or a preseason game, whatever it was. I think it was a Sixers, maybe just a Sixers game, maybe their home opener, and then went over walked uh, over to the bank to watch the end of that game, which I watched at home, screaming and waving a towel around. But it's not easy being a Philadelphia sports fan because we're not we're not perennial favorites. And when we are, it doesn't feel like we are because we're not covered that way. Yeah. I mean, because all the, the announcers want to hate on us, too. Like, it's yep. crazy. Like, and I, OK, I'll get Troy Aikman. I'll give it to him. Like, I'll, I'll give him that because he's he's got cowboy blood. But like Joe Buck, I despise joe buck with a passion He's yeah yeah there's something human. yeah i don't like him either nobody <laughs> likes joe buck is there anybody who likes joe buck I, you know i don't I, I don't think anymore i think there was a time when uh people who were like like dallas maybe liked him and and probably new england but yeah. other than that <laughs> uh, no one else liked him because he's he just he likes to hate on on the teams that are like when, even when they're doing when Philly is doing good, he likes to shit on them still. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, well, well, the worst is if you're watching like a football game and you see Troy Aikman in the booth, you just go, "Okay, here we go, <laughs> great." Watch him try to like choke back his bile if the Eagles even <laughs> kick a field goal successfully. 
Yeah. Yeah. But you know what that as a Philly sports fan, I, I enjoy watching that kind of stuff. Like it's just, um, it, it is win or lose. I love, uh, I'm a more of a football fan. So, you know, I, I try to stay in that world as much as I can. Sure. Uh, and yeah, I just love the Eagles. I mean, it's, and you know, I personally think, and I'll, I'll, I'll get your take in a second, but I think that with this coaching staff and with, with, um, this quarterback, I think we might be building towards something. Yeah, look, we got a shot. I like the Alshon Jeffrey and Tory Smith signings. Um, I think the defense will be better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Carson Wentz had a decent rookie year, not great, which is bad. I'd rather have that than have like the best rookie year ever and then a sophomore slump. I'd yeah. rather see him progress. Yeah. I think it takes like. I always say like three to five years to really see what kind of quarterback you have. Mm-hmm. But the, the Eagles haven't had that kind of patience with anybody in yeah. a while. And he doesn't have anybody to really mentor him outside of Doug Peterson. Uh, but, he, you know, he doesn't have somebody who, who is a teammate that is sort mm-hmm. of a veteran. He can't, you know, play behind a far for a couple of years mm-hmm. uh, like Aaron Rodgers did. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they can do. I'm always hopeful. And they're coming out to L.A. this year, so maybe I'll go to that shithole Coliseum to watch them play <laughs> if I can get a ticket. Well, you know, and here, my take on uh, Wentz is that, like, everyone got way too excited for the first half of that year. Like, mm-hmm. it's it was it was luck. That's all it was. And I, I – th- you know, I agree. I'm glad that he didn't play like that all season long because it just would have been building up all this hope for this year and we would have been way let down. And when Philly gets let down, they do not hide it. No. Uh, we do not hide it. <laughs> We're just Charlie Brown walking down the street with that <laughs> that Christmas theme playing overhead. Yes. Um, all right. So I do want to um, touch on we don't have, we can talk Philly later when we get back to the Philadelphia Podcast Fest. But right. um, something that is a huge interest of mine. I love talking to other. Um, I say other like I am one. I am not. But I like talking to uh, improv uh, artists. Yeah. It is, uh, like it's a. I just. It's a passion of mine that I um, have yet to like go and pursue, and I'm trying to talk my best friend into it because I'm that guy that's like I can't do it on my own. Uh, <laughs> and, um, so, so how did you get into prim- improv? Like, where did you get that like love for it? Oh man, well, I was in high school in like '94, '95. That was when I was I graduated in '95 from high school, and around then, like '93, '94, was when Whose Line Is It Anyway, the British version, started airing on Comedy Central. So, watching it, I was like, oh, this is it. All like like a light went on in my head, and I'd always enjoyed sort of messing around. I went to uh, Abington Friends, which for anybody in the Philly area that doesn't know, is a hippy dippy Quaker school. Uh, okay. Out in Jenkintown, but we had a really cool uh, series of theater teachers. And I, in middle school, I used to, we would have this thing where people brought in hats. You pick a hat and create a character, and then do a Q and A. And I, I loved being able to make something up like that and then sustain it over the course of like five minutes or so. So I had a character that, that to me was the most hilarious thing ever, which was Bob from Save the Crabs because it was a crab hat. And for three years when we would do that, I was I think I was the only one who brought a character back over and over <laughs> again. And people knew who it was. So I always sort of that was something I gravitated towards. But but whose line really gave me an understanding of like game structure? What are short yeah. form games? So my buddies and I would just sort of mess around and 
try to capture that and try playing those games and perform for anybody at the school that would watch us. So from there, I went to college and improvised. And then when I moved out to L.A., it was let's go to Second City. Let's go to Groundlings. Let's go to, to Improv Olympic, now I.O. West, and just learn as much as possible. Yeah, it's it's such a um, fascinating form of, of art, you know, not just comedy, just art. Um, yeah. And my I remember and, and I think this is where like my love comes uh, from with it. But like I like it, like everything in life, I find out in my mid to late 20s that I'm like, hey, you know what? I think I want to write and direct. Hey, you know what? I think I want to do improv. <laughs> uh, and I think it's just like. You know, I'm at this point where I'm like, I'm in my early 30s. I'm like, ah, you know what? There's no like, why not do stuff? Like, why not? Why just sit around and and um, and just you know live the status quo life? And I think podcasting. You know, I used to and and well, I'm sure we'll touch on this later. But I used to wrestle, uh, like WWE style wrestling. Yeah. And that was huge creative outlet for me. Where like you know when. You know, I'm sure like every teenager, you know, you're emo in some fashion, whether you want to believe it or not. And, you you know, <laughs> the world's against you. And yeah. um, you know, some people have music. Some people have, you know, drugs. I had wrestling. I, I was able to like have that as my creative outlet. And I think like that turned into podcasting. And, and um, I think wrestling really, which is kind of a form of improv, if you think about it. Uh, I think that that with the American run of Whose Line Is It Anyway, and I realized that probably about five years ago, I was like, you know what? Whose Line Is It Anyway is a great show. Um, yeah. So like all that combined, I was like, you know, I, two or three years ago, I told my buddy, I was like, we need to go to Fit and take improv classes. Like, how fun would that be? And it just turns into finding excuses not to do it. But I, I told him, I was like, we're I'm doing it without you in in February, with, with or without you. Yeah, you just gotta you gotta kind of pull the trigger, and you're, you're dead on with with. I was gonna say before you even said it, I, that that was the thought that crossed my head. Well, you know, as somebody who's never taken a bump or gotten into a ring in his entire life, I still, you know, I understand it, enough of how it basically works to know that the skills that you need to be a good improviser are also the skills you need to be a good wrestler, which is paying attention, reacting to things. Uh, instead of playing off of the crowd necessarily, you're you're more playing off of your partner, but you're doing that when you're wrestling as well. It's yeah. you know the, those skills, the skills you learn in an improv class, whether you become a performer or not, will help you for the rest of your life. And I've taught improv to like LSAT uh, prep tutors on their first day of learning to become a tutor, and it was really about getting them out of their heads. And being able to talk in front of people and being able to listen and actually hear because a lot of times we'll just sit and wait for our chance to talk rather than actually digesting what's being said to us. Those are the the foundations of being a good conversationalist or a good podcaster are the same that, that you need to be a good improviser. That's And you know what? That's super encouraging to hear because I, you know, and you go back 10 years to my very first interview and it's awful because I'm not a good interviewer, uh, as I'm sure many of my fans and listeners will attest to. Uh, I'm not great at doing a Q&A. If I have stuff prepped, which I had stuff prepped today, and as we heard, uh, I, I blundered over some things. Uh, <laughs> and when I so when I prep, I, it's it's usually a train wreck because I don't listen. That's the issue. I'm, I'm reading my notes versus listening. And and hence the reason I threw my notebook to the side as soon as I had had that blunder. Uh, 
<laughs> I the, the, and I don't like I I, t- I called the show long form interview, but I really like to like bill it more as long form conversation because that is is what I'm good at, and that's so it's encouraging to hear like if you're good at that, you know, you, you at least you'll get something out of improv, and that's kind of I don't know if I'm looking to become an improv at uh you know at 32 33 years old right, but the idea of having that skill set to to help me with this and like you know we. I love the idea of trying to do something with tabletop uh, role-playing games uh, right. in the podcasting world, and like that seems like a perfect skill set to have for that. A hundred percent, you're you're right on. It's 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 really about the skill set you bring from it, and and there's no like every single person who takes classes makes the same mistakes. So there's sort of a comfort in that, knowing that you're going into it. Like there, I don't, I don't know of anybody who just came in and was great at it. There's always work to be done, and you make the same mistakes everybody else has made because you just don't know yet, or you think you know different, and then you you get that sort of systematically ironed out of you, and you sort of figure out where you fit in an ensemble and how you can contribute. And that Mark and I, uh, you know, we met improvising years and years, like 15 years ago. Wow. Okay. And over the course of the different ways that we perform together, culminating in this podcast, but going back to Thrilling Adventure Hour and uh, stuff we did together at Second City before that, we figured out that we meshed well together because the things that we that we each do best are different. Mm-hmm. So, so now, do you, are you guys, um, aside from the podcast, and maybe the, and uh, something that uh, I didn't warn you of, but my audience knows, is I try to do little little prep ahead of time, and then I I just uh, binge listen and binge watch everything that my guest does afterwards. Uh, All keeps right, the, keeps the conversation honest. Sure. So uh, you you and Mark uh, is is your podcast improv, or is that like a, an addition to you guys as an improv team? No, I mean, our, our, so the basic premise of the podcast is the two of us taking the things you debate with your friends about in a bar and then settling it once and for all. Okay. So, uh, for example, when I get off of this call from you, uh, with you, shortly after that, Mark will arrive here at my home and we'll record Best Spider-Man because now we have Tom. We have a, a good look at Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Let's figure out who the best one is of all time. Let's Uh-oh. let's sort of break them down, uh, and and we try to. We have somebody who does research for us, which is great, and we figure out criteria, but it's really just us messing with one another, yeah. and the, the the destination is not as important as the journey, so like, yeah. the weirder... I, I have no idea what weird things Mark has about Spider-Man or what weird experiences he's had around it, and I don't know what stuff I'm going to share that's going to come up, but we may start talking about Spider-Man and, and wind up having a 20-minute conversation about bubble baths and then realize oh. we have to get back. That's so, perfect. That's yeah. my kind of show. That's this show. <laughs> exactly. The whole, the whole idea is to, to feel like you're in the room with us having the conversation. So, like, the best compliments that I get about the show are I was yelling at my car or I was <laughs> laughing on the bus on the way to work and nobody knew why because I had my headset on. Or, you know, the people who take the social media to tell us we're wrong or why we're right or what we should have mentioned that we didn't. Like, that's all that all means that they were highly engaged when they were listening, which is, you know, great for us. It's what we want. 
that I mean the the concept of the show uh, sounds phenomenal, and I, I mean I'm hooked on the fact that I'll probably be listening to that Spider-Man one first because uh, <laughs> I, I can't wait to see. I, I haven't seen Homecoming yet. Shame on me, uh, oh. I'm a nerd. But uh, it's uh, it's the kids. I've I have two kids. It's their fault. I don't I don't get to have a social life often because of them. Fair enough. Uh, but uh, so I'm interested in that because I, I have my takes on it, obviously. So I, I would love to hear what you guys have to say. And but what sells me more so than than that is uh, the fact that you guys don't care if you go on tangents because that to me like the perfect podcast. And it's probably because one of the first podcasts, if not the first one I listened to, was Smodcast with Kevin Smith, mm-hmm. uh, which is just two guys, two friends talking, and that's you know more or less uh, the shows that sound like that and are that are what I love listening to. Uh, so I'm, I, so that excites me. I'm prepped for your show now. Uh, cannot wait. What, um, what made you guys decide to start doing? And it sounds like maybe there's some history with podcasting before this one. So, so how, uh, and I, and it's probably an easy path, but what led from, uh, improv to podcasting? Well, I've probably, you know, through the people I met uh, improvising specifically at Second City, that was sort of, that's sort of where my community was built. And you, you, you figure that out, uh, especially if you're in a city with a ton of different improv troops or improv schools, is hopefully you try them all, you'll learn something different in each one, and there are good people everywhere, but you sort of figure out where your tribe is pretty quickly, I think. Okay. You see sort of what fits well. And for me, it was always Second City. So through relationships I made there, that was how I got started in voiceover. I got cast in in uh, a couple of anime projects early, early on, like right after I graduated, because one of the directors I had worked with was directing anime and thought I would be good for it. So oh, very cool. That sort of launched me on that trajectory, and then just people I met, they would have a show and they would call me in to do a little part. Uh, there, there was a podcast I did for. I want to say like a year or so. I probably for as long as you have. Probably in 2007 we were doing it. It okay. was called Hawk and Dove. So it was a super liberal uh, guy and a super conservative guy, and it was just jokes back and forth about both sides debating stuff. So I played the NPR type uh, moderator, and I had right. done. They had done it as a stage show first, and I played like a one line role in that. And so because of that, they remembered me, and I got pulled in. Uh, so that was that was my early sort of podcasting, and then then it went away until Thrilling Adventure Hour started podcasting, which was about five years into our run. So we started in 2005, then 2010 they finally figured out how to get a good recording and put it out, and then from that for five six years we built an audience up around the world. We got to tour the country. We got to go to Australia and New Zealand. Oh, that's um, awesome. We. We made a concert film. We did a web series. We the, the writers made a graphic novel. So it really, like that podcasting has been sort of a bedrock of my career now for seven years. And from that, from Thrilling Adventure Hour came Night Vale. And then uh, when Thrilling Adventure Hour was was winding down, uh, and we knew probably about eight or nine months before the show actually ended that it was that it was drawing to a regular close. Now it's on indefinite hiatus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted another project. I didn't want to sit and wait for somebody to ask me to do something. Yeah. And I knew Mark and I worked well together, and Mark was moving to New York from L.A. 
So I thought, let's do a podcast together. So I grabbed him and I was like, you and I are going to do a project. He was like, okay, which is something that creative people say all the time. Yeah. Like, we're going to do a thing. And then it never happens. Yeah. Um, but I had this idea that was essentially we got this. So I pitched it to him. He was into it. We sort of worked on it together. And then we just started doing it. And that was two, almost two and a half years ago. So it's just been like we, we knew we had audience from Night Vale and Thrilling Adventure Hour, some of which some of whom would follow us over. So that was encouraging. Like, let's stay in the medium that that we've had success with, but try something completely different. Well, and that's um, I guess not only just the beautiful thing about podcasting, but the beautiful thing about uh, new media and kind of just the times we're living in now is that it's no longer really a requirement of having to have money or having to know people to say, Hey, let me go out there and make something like yep. you can literally go and do anything audio or video uh, wise, basically from your phone these days. So yeah. I think that's super encouraging. And it's something like, I mean, I'm sitting here, you know, in front of a laptop with a, with a fancy microphone uh, to, to record this. And, and my studio is a little bit when it's actually up and running is a little bit fancier, but like I record all my commercials and any kind of promo, uh, during the day, you know, with my Apple earbuds and my, my iPhone. <laughs> and it yep. sounds pretty close to, to what I'm doing right now. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. Now I've done recorded voiceover auditions into my phone in the break room at work. I've booked pilots that way. Like, <laughs> Because the sound quality is is fine, like it sounds good, and I've been describing, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Because what's great about podcasts is exactly what you're saying that anybody can do it. You can get access inexpensively to the equipment you need, to hosting. You know, you can all in for probably less than three hundred bucks, be up and running at, at a at a decent quality very quickly. Yeah. So yeah. while it's not a level playing field, it's an open playing field. So you've always got a shot, and there are avenues to 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 sort of move yourself along. It just depends on how seriously you take it, or or you know what your strategic approach is. Some people just want to make the thing and have mm-hmm. that be it. I I you know I've, I'm business minded, so mm-hmm. I want to just create the thing, and I'm not going to change what it is uh, unless it feels creatively like something is off. But I also am always trying to figure out how can we grow what. What's working mm-hmm. for us and what isn't from a marketing perspective? And, you know, it's it's funny because I started out uh, 10 years ago saying, all right, I'm going to be the I want to be the Howard Stern of podcasting. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I'm going to find ways to I want to make I want to become a millionaire off this. I'm going to I'm going to tour and whatnot. And that was like always for me. And, you know, obviously everyone's uh, different for me. That was like that held me back, like having that mindset. And it wasn't. I mean, over the course of 10 years, I have had probably I've averaged more than one show a year with whether it was running uh, concurrently with one another or or not. You know, I've jumped from show to show to show just trying to find what worked. Right. Uh, Never, ever thought of saying I'm going to sit down and do an interview show because I always thought that was what I was weak at. And when I finally said, you know what, I want to, I just love sitting around talking. Like that's my favorite thing to do. And my fiance uh, doesn't, she teaches uh, fifth graders all day. And when she comes home, she doesn't want to deal with me and my nonsense. So, (laughs) (laughs) so it's like, okay, let me start a podcast where I just talk to someone new every week. That way I don't have to rely on a co-host. And like, 
eh, it's just for me. Like, I, I don't need to make money off of this. Like, that's not my, that's not my bag anymore. And I, once I like got that weight off my shoulders, it became a thing where I was like having, I was like, I've never been more cur- uh, creatively fulfilled as I have doing this show. Uh, save for wrestling. Wrestling was totally uh, such a fun, creative thing to do. Yeah. But, but like, other than that, like, this has been podcast wise, such a huge, like, fun thing to do. And it has led to me doing live shows on a semi regular basis, on a basis that, like, if I want to do them, I can do them. It's opened up so many more doors to, like, you know, being able to chat with people that I never thought I'd chat with. And, and just, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing when, you know, I, I guess, you know, like I said, my mindset's different. I'm not about, uh, like the business side necessarily, which I, sure. I guess I'm, I'm doing it the right way now. I started off not caring. And I think that's the key is if you start off not caring, eventually, uh, you'll get to a point where you're like, all right, well, let me make these moves to maybe better the show and build my audience and then maybe start making money off it. And I'm starting to, after a year and a half of this show, I'm finally back to the point where I was like, all right, I think I can make moves now to like start turning in this into something more than just me talking to a mic. Totally. Totally. And like, I don't, I don't, while I do think of it in terms of growth, I also, it's not about money for me as much as how big of an audience can I get? Cause I, I'm really proud of the show. Um, and I really want as many people as possible to hear it. So it just becomes, yeah. well, I know if if I could get these people to listen that they would really enjoy it. And there, there are very, with very few exceptions, people who listen to it really enjoy it and they're into the concept and you don't have to listen from episode one. You can sort of pick and choose what you like, but they're all kind of different. And, and it's, you know, in terms of how I, if I could have mapped this out, I, I'm really happy with where we are just i wish we had a million more listeners every month you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah no and that it's it's it is such the um and it, the podcaster thing to do is like i just i don't think i don't know many except for me of 10 years ago i don't know many podcasters that are like i'm in it for the money uh it's it's you know i think 10 years ago when it was a new medium uh you kind of had that mindset because you're trying to figure out what the podcast was and you know it was i guess new enough where you could maybe do it but um it's now now that everyone literally like i i mean i think my mom knows what a podcast is at the very least so like everyone a lot of people know what a podcast is a lot of people ha- can do a podcast now so now it's more about like just you know being that that different to get that audience and like you know yeah it, for me like i have these crazy ideas of what it means to be uh successful and and it's like oh great you know the these numbers are great this month and it's only a podcaster cares about that uh same thing with like <laughs> i'm crazy about how i number things like i need to have a number on my episode i i need to if i miss a week i need to make sure that when i post it it's dated the correct date that it was supposed to post yep. it's combined my ocd and i think what only podcasters care about no yeah like the naming convention has to be the same and how we like the way we do it has to be very rigid and 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 uniform so that somebody know like that's that's the numbering of an episode of we got this it's very clear like you point out nobody cares but us Uh, but i also like i'm manic about making sure that we don't skip a single week. So we've we started I think March 5th, 2015. We have not missed a week since. Even uh, even episodes where we recorded the night before it had to go out. 
Like, it's See, just, I will not miss it. I have backup and contingency plans. Like, I'll pull my wife in. Doesn't matter. We're getting this episode out by hook or by crook. And, and that is something for, I think, I think my first year of this podcast, I was super good about because I was like, you know what? I'm, I was so inconsistent before this. I need to do a year of, of straight podcasting. And I, I was, I was super successful at, like, at that. And now because like I'm starting to bring on more projects, it's like, I have it recorded. I have plenty of episodes recorded. It's like, oh crap, it's Tuesday night and I need to get this out for tomorrow. Uh, what am I going to do? Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. You, you have to. It's, that's part of building an audience. Like, think yeah. about how many television shows that were good television shows died a quiet death because they kept moving time slots. So you're yeah. like, is it on this week? Where is it on? How am I going to find it? So even though it's like this concept of, of pod being portable on demand means you don't – it doesn't matter. We put the episodes out at, at 9 p.m. Pacific time every Tuesday, but – People may not listen to it then. They might wait and listen to it on Thursday, Friday, the next week. They may be mm-hmm. months behind. But for me, mentally, knowing that it's always there and that I can promote it that way feels like that's the, that's the key to building that audience. They're going to know. They're, we're reliable. We're like the postal service. We're always going to be there. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. And but I'm also like because I'm taking on more projects, it's like, well, you know what? It's going to be there if they're it, it will it will show up in their feed. Is, yeah, <laughs> is and I think it's like you know I agree with you. I, I'm I, I want to be the guy that posts at midnight or whatever uh, every single Wednesday. And I try to. I try my my damnedest to. Uh, and I think my audience at this point knows that I try. And that's all I I think they want and care about at this point. Uh, <laughs> but I agree. Like it's it's um it's whereas I think you need to post on a regular schedule. And I it's, I mean you can read a dozen articles about podcasting and mm-hmm. and marketing ideas, and that will be probably the top thing that they'll top two things they say that will be one of them. Um, but I also think it's one of those things that only podcasters kind of care about. <laughs> and, and, I, and maybe that's the bad mindset because it's given me an excuse to, Oh, I missed it. So it's okay. I can post it on Thursday. Um, yeah. But I found as a listener, and I don't know if this is affected by being a host, but the podcasts that I really enjoy that are can't miss for me, I'm waiting. I've already finished yeah. the most recent episode and I'm waiting. So I listen to, uh, Bruce Bruce Pritchard's podcast. I love it. Mm. And I know it comes out generally Friday mornings around nine my time. So I make sure I finish the previous week's episode by then so that I can download it and have it ready to go and enjoy it. Like I like being caught up and, and because and partially it's because that's such a long, it's like a three hour show. Oh, wow. So, okay. You know, I, I know I'm going to have to work through it over the course of a few days because I just don't – nobody on earth has three hours to just sit there and do one thing <laughs> that yeah. is a leisure thing for that long. Yeah. But I, that, I, I don't know if it's my expectation for my own show that's feeding how I listen or that my listening patterns are maybe somewhat normal. I know I know some people who listen to ours are waiting for it to come out mm-hmm. and they're checking and refreshing their feeds so for some people, it's like that. Other people say, oh, I'm just catching up on, on old episodes and they're tweeting or, or writing Facebook posts for us about things that happened last year. It just there's no way it's not normalized. But for in my brain, it at least helps to yeah. to make it feel like, well, the production line is is humming and mm-hmm. it's working and people know when they can expect something from us, even if they don't listen to it then. 
Yeah, and that's uh, I think a great mindset, and I think it's a it's a mindset I definitely want to get back to because you're right. Like there's there's um I think the podcast for me that is that is the one that like oh, I can't believe it's not out yet is uh, Campaign Pod um, with uh, it's it's a Star Wars actual play podcast with a bunch of great Chicago uh, improv people and comedians and whatnot, and. Nice. Uh, it is if you love Star Wars, uh, this is basically uh, Rogue One, but before Rogue One came out. <laughs> that it sounds is, amazing. And it's it is um, and and my buddy Jeff Stormer, who hosts Party of One podcast, he he has a much better, uh, much more elegant way to phrase this, but. It's essentially, uh, you know, it takes place during the time where like Luke would have been five years old and it's this, this band of misfits that somehow come across the plans for what they are calling the murder ball. Uh, and it is just, you know, it's very loose, uh, on the rules and on actual like progress where, where the, the GM allows for a lot of like. Like I think they spent uh, in real time about a year and a half on one story arc that in in game was uh, a week a week long, uh, and it was phenomenal. It's just so funny, and that is the one where um, you know the GM has like migraine issues and like very bad migraine issues, so they don't come out on a regular schedule. But I listen to it, and then I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And, um, yeah, so I, I don't know, I don't know if, uh, cause that definitely doesn't inform me on how I make my posts. I maybe it does. I guess it does if it doesn't come out weekly. Um, <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I, there's something to what you're saying then. I think right. you're a hundred percent accurate. I, I nailed it. I nailed it. I, you talked yourself in a loop, but you came back <laughs> to my way of thinking and that's, I, that's what I need. Yes. I need validation for goodness <laughs> sake. Uh, so what made you, um, Getting back to the interview, of course. What yes. made you uh, go out to um, to LA to uh, to to pursue your career? I I didn't know what I was gonna do after college. I knew I wanted to be an actor. I actually uh, was an apprentice at the Arden Theater downtown on Second Street, okay. and I, it I knew being there like that is a great program, the Arden Apprentice program, if it still exists. Um, it was great for people who knew they wanted to work in theater but didn't know what they wanted to do because you sort of did a little bit of everything. And I would just sit there while people were rehearsing and performing and going, well, that's that's what I want to do. I have no no question what I want to do. So I was trying to figure out where to go. I was going to maybe go to D.C. and do theater there. Or maybe I'll go to, to Chicago, the mecca of improv, and I'll study it at Second City and then I'll eventually become main stage and then my life will be set. But one of my uh, one of my friends from AFS who who lived out in LA was talking to him on the phone. He said, "Come out to Los Angeles and we'll be movie stars." And I said, <laughs> "Okay." And I packed everything up in the car three months later and drove across the country to LA. My first day there was September first, two thousand, and I I never looked back. And it and it you know every day is a new lesson in how to build a career in entertainment. The the first of which was to understand that the goal is not to be a star. The goal is to work. Yeah. It used to be like, well, by the time I'm 30, surely I'll have my Best Supporting Actor Oscar. <laughs> and then then I can just make some choices and take it easy. But we're well past 30. That has not happened. But I've learned a lot more about what it takes to work. And it's every day is a new kind of battle and a new lesson. And, and it's, a, it's a war of attrition 
because there are so many people who get discouraged and leave. So mm-hmm. sometimes just being around and being competent is enough to get you working for people to remember you. So podcasting obviously wasn't really a, a, as much of a thing or or really at all back in 2000, but yeah. now it's a really important part of my life. I, I Like you, I grew up idolizing Howard Stern as a as an interviewer and a, like a talk show guy. I remember when he yeah. came to Philadelphia and that was what I wanted to do initially was I'm going to host a radio show. It'll be my version. It won't be as lewd, but I want to yeah. be able to interview and talk with people. And now, you know, 15 years after being in LA, that's finally what I'm doing. It was something where, where I wasn't playing other people, but was actually myself hosting my own show. And now it's been two and a half years of that. You know, you may be the one person that rem- that and I, to, to either tell me that I made this up, or or remember this. Um, I was in high school at the time, so it was like late nineties, uh, mm-hmm. maybe early two thousands. I mean, you may have been, I guess you could have been out of Philly by then. Right. But it, um, YSP uh, was looking for DJs, and they like wanted people to submit tapes. And and I swear this is my origin, my radio, like wanting to be a radio host origin was like, <laughs> oh my God. Like and me and my, me and one of my good friends at the time were like, we know how to talk. Why not us? And like, we never did it. But like years later, when I listened to this podcast and a, a buddy of mine was like, do you want to do a podcast? I'm like, what's that? And they're like, it's internet radio. I'm like, I can talk. <laughs> and and that's like, thus the, the dream was born. Uh I don't, and yeah, you know what? Thinking about the timeline, you were probably in LA, so you can't put me on there. I need to find someone to tell me if I made this up in my head. I feel like it's something that YSP did, maybe often, but they were looking for. I the the story I remember is they had a commercial saying, "Do you want to be a radio DJ?" And they had all the crazy sound effects in the background, of course. Uh, and they, you know, said, "Send your demo tape to blah 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 blah." And they like were looking for just like like someone on the street to be a DJ. I, that sounds like something that that any radio station would do. I wouldn't put it past YSP at that at that point though. In the late '90s, I was in college and I was doing stuff on the the college radio station there. But on other friends' shows, I wasn't hosting a show. Even then, I was just like, "Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll be Billy West. I'll go oh, okay. in and do like uh, Randy the Macho Man Savage for 45 minutes, or I'll go in and and be Captain Crunch for an hour." So that was the that was the stuff that I was doing, and I was so thrilled. I was like, "This is my launching pad." This, <laughs> like, I, I don't even know if we were broadcasting outside of the studio to anybody listening. Like, it, you know, but I, it was such a rush, and it still is. I love sitting down in front of a microphone and talking to people, yeah. and, and or playing characters that do it. Like, that's just my my joy comes out of microphones. It it is uh, crazy because like it, you and you know what it, it's that statement still stays true to me if I go back to to wrestling is I I started off in the backyard like every idiot kid uh, that that wants to be a wrestler um, I was I think fifteen when I started doing it and. Um, and we eventually moved to the point where we like we build a ring, and then uh, I live in in Falls Township in Bucks County. Uh, they uh, made us tear down the ring; they shut us down. Uh, so we said, "Okay, we'll go to Bristol Township, and we'll buy a ring <laughs> and put it in someone's backyard." 
and, and then and from there like at that point when like as soon as we build a ring like some of us were real serious about it and i was one of them and like i loved my favorite part to this day um is being a good stick man and like being able to cut a good promo and uh, like I remember like there's key promos that I remember cutting that I just loved and, and being the bad guy. And uh, I, yeah, I love the, I love talking to a mic. I, I mean, it's, I think pretty obvious if you listen to any uh, podcast I do, I, I usually dominate the conversation, but yeah, I mean, that's wrestling again is another thing that, that um, is all like, not only is it about improv and whatnot and, and about being quick on your feet, but it's about being quick on the mic too. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and understanding that the important thing is to get a reaction from the crowd and not yeah. like I, something I brought in. That's something I brought into doing welcome to night Vale, where I play a character named Steve Carlsberg, who for a long time was kind of reviled. Now that crowds kind of split, he's sort of more of a tweener, but for me, <laughs> he was always a baby face. So, oh. You know, to get, I would get like legit heat in a ton of different cities. I expected Philly to boo me the hardest, but surprisingly, Chicago, I think, were the loudest wow. chorus of boos I ever got doing live shows. And then that changed over the course of time as as that character sort of evolved and his relationship with uh, the main character Cecil evolved. There were more cheers than boos, but like for me, I never cared how they reacted as long as they reacted yeah. and they were, yeah. they were loud and they were having fun. So, you know, I think that there are, that there may be some performers where that it becomes sort of an ego thing because you, you know, to be booed is failure in, in traditional theatrical performing, but yeah. in wrestling it's, you're getting a reaction. That's great. And if you are, if you are supposed to be the heel even better, that is your goal is to be hated. Yeah. Your goal is to get it. Like watch the Miz. If you want to oh, see God. one of the best working heels, he and Alexa Bliss are so good at never giving the crowd what they want, and everything is designed to get them to hate you more and let you know it. Every time uh, wrestling comes up, it makes me. I, I I haven't watched it in years. I I kind of when Shawn Michaels left, I fell out of it. Uh, big you lost time. your smile. I lost my <laughs> smile when Shawn Michaels left for good, uh, and I I. I and my big problem is I like I love the idea about WWE Network except for the fact that it doesn't air. It like takes two months to air Raw, and like that's like I I'm busy putting my kids to bed at right. eight o'clock. I don't have three hours to watch Raw, so like when am I gonna watch Raw if I can't watch the network? Um, <laughs> but it is one of the things like I miss like every time I bring it up I miss watching it uh, because it just and I mean and as I'm talking about it, I'm like man I kind of want to. I wonder, there's got to be a league around here. Like, I could probably still get in the ring at 32 years old. There you go. Uh, <laughs> it's it time. Is, it is, uh, bumping is not as bad as you think it is. Like, I mean, unless you take a bad bump. But, like, that's not, like, my my worry is more so, like, remembering how to be in, like, in that character. Like, because it's been, right. it's, I think the last time I did it was in 09. So it's been, like, seven to eight years since I've been, like... Let me let me put on the heel shtick for a while, <laughs> and uh, but yeah. So I, I do want to talk about that briefly because you. So you also uh, do a podcast uh, about wrestling, correct? Yes, yeah. So I have two podcasts on the Maximum Fun Network. One is We Got This, which is my show with Mark, and the other is a Maximum Fun production that I just co-host, uh, which is Tights and Fights, and that's me, Danielle Radford, and Open Mike Eagle. 
And uh, our producer is a, is a really cool guy named Julian Burrell. So we are all huge marks. So we just get together every week and, and sort of talk about wrestling and the, the culture of wrestling and wrestling's impact on culture. And, you know, just sort of there's nothing really off limits. And it, it's so much fun. It's one of the highlights of my week. And it forces me to, to stay current with things, which is tough. Like this week, there was a pay-per-view. So... I spent two hours last night watching it, and then I finished the third hour this morning. Then Raw's tonight, SmackDown is tomorrow. So I have to sort of squeeze in time to watch five hours of programming, preferably after it's live so I can sort of fast forward through commercials and stuff by Wednesday when we record. So it's it's tough. So, yeah, I mean, that's one of the, I think, things that's nuts about it is that there's just so much of it now from one product. But, um, I mean, I, I think the last time I had a solid conversation about this was almost a, you know, a year ago. So I'm sure the things have changed in that time. What's, what's your take on the wrestling world uh, as it stands in 2017? I think that WWE has a, uh, not as deep a roster as they had during the Attitude Era because that was just an insane amount of talent. Everybody was over top, top to the top of the card to the to the bottom of the card. Even the dark yeah. matches probably got huge pops. But uh, I think that they've got a lot of talent right now. The this brand split is way better than the brand split that they did before, and. You know, the, I think the problems with wrestling right now are symptomatic of what the problems were starting in the Attitude Era, where the, when the the sort of face heel dynamic got thrown off. Mm-hmm. So that's a problem. Sometimes it's like I don't w- I want the bad guys to be detestable, and I want the good guys to be people you want to cheer. But now it seems like a lot of times the audience is dictating what well, we want to. You know, the, the, we, I don't want heels trying to be cool heels. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Like that well, needs to happen organically, I think. Yeah, and it's you know it's it's um, funny. I don't. I listen to the Edge and Christian podcast. Uh, oh, so good. Oh, it is so good. I desperately. I I've sent them a few. Uh, I don't think I've emailed them. I think I've just sent them some uh, tweets saying, "Hey guys, I do a podcast called Everything Is Awesome. Just saying, you should be on the show." Uh, but I, uh, their show is so. Again, um, I think what makes that show stand out is that it's not like Austin's show or like Jericho's show where it's just straight up interviewing. And I know Austin kind of deviates. I, I like when he deviates, too. I, I've started listening to him again right. uh, because of that. But um, the the great dynamic that Edge and Christian have is that they... There's two of them, so like they go on the wild tangents. It's not straight interviews. Sometimes they do episodes of just nonsense. And yes. I, I really appreciate that. Um, and, and they have, you know, they said the same thing about the cool heel. Like, that's the issue is everyone wants to sell merchandise. And to sell merchandise, you can't be detestable. And you have to be the cool heel if you're going to be a heel. And everyone's a cool heel. So that's, yeah, uh, yeah it's it's sound, it's interesting to know that's like a, an issue across the board. Totally. Yeah, I think that's, that's the the... The business part gets in the way, and merchandise wasn't as big a deal during the territory era. You know, like in the seventies, yeah. Blackjack Mulligan wasn't worrying about selling T-shirts, and Ric Flair didn't have a million T-shirts and gym shorts and robes that he was selling. You know, you would, you you made money by drawing houses, and you drew houses by either being the heel that people paid to see beaten, or the babyface that people were paying to watch win. Yeah. So yeah, the, and- the economy of it has changed it kind of indelibly. I. Uh- 
I yeah, I, I mean, as someone that like I, I I don't know if you're familiar with Reckless Youth, uh, Tom Carter. No, he is he is an indie guy. Um, he was like the king of the independents in the '90s. He is the as a fellow Philadelphian, he is the co-founder of Chikara. Okay. Um, and he was at one point he was um in the WWE farm system. Uh, remember Rico with Billy and Chuck? Yeah, sure, Rico Constantino. He was going to be that character. They they asked him to do that gimmick, and he said, "I don't have anywhere to go after that. I'm not doing that gimmick." Uh, wow. And, and, I think of, I think eventually he just um, I think he I think he left because he started having kids, but okay. like he just rather stay in the indies. Like he he did the indies after that because he had a big name like in the, I guess the Northeast, um, and uh, he, so he's the guy that trained me. And like the I I always wanted to play a heel. I always wanted to be a guy that like made the audience so mad right. that that like I mean and of course as in the indie I mean at least when I did it. None of us were concerned with merchandise. We we're all just concerned with having a good time yeah, sure. and telling a good story. Uh, and yeah, like that's some of my best memories of wrestling, whether it's me doing it or watching it on TV, is like having that heel that's not. I, trust me, I love, I like the cool heel too. I like the Austin, I like the Shawn Michaels heels. But like, I also love the heels that are like, I want to boo them and like, I legitimately hate them. Cause it's you, you you need a villain you need a villain to tell a good story and, and that's all wrestling is is telling a good story for sure just like podcasting tell a good yeah. story in a podcast so <laughs> exactly. similar similar skills abound you know it's just it's all storytelling you want to tell a good story and get people uh invested in it um all right so uh before i let you go officially uh Obviously, we uh, you are going to be part of the the Philadelphia Podcast Festival for the fifth anniversary of it. Yes, uh, on Friday the twenty first of July at the Ruba Club. Correct. Yes. Yeah. This uh, at, is exciting. Yes, at eight p.m. Now the Ruba. Uh, I've I've never even heard of the Ruba Club. It's they have so many more venues uh, uh, this year. I was part of the Philadelphia Podcast Fest, uh, Fest last year. There was about thirty-five shows last year, um, which is still a lot. And it was two weekends, just like it is this year. And it was, um, I think it was only two or three venues. I think it was only two venues. I think it was uh, Amalgam and uh, Tattooed Mom. Okay. So. This year has blown up to over 60 shows. Uh, we've brought, you know, I say we, uh, Nate and Tegan have brought in talent from outside uh, to help celebrate the big thing. They've brought back some home talent uh, with you uh, and, and, and Mark with We Got This. Um, so are you excited Excited to be part of the Philadelphia Podcast Fest? Man, I, I, I'm thrilled to be a part of it. And it's really exciting to come back. Like, I've, I've had the chance to come back to Philly a few times with Night Vale. Like they, 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 they do a show in town once a year. So I think the last three years we've done the Keswick. We did TLA um, the year prior to that. So every year I get to come and perform, and it's always great. I love to be home and performing in front of a hometown crowd. But this is really, really special to me to get to bring my show home and show it to the people of Philadelphia. And the fact that the podcasting community seems to be so vibrant and that, that, that it supports a festival and these shows all over the place is amazing. And I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of that. Yeah. I'll tell you this is, and it's, this is like, I've gotten 
involved with the podcast festival and with live podcasting with the goal of, you know, knowing that I'm not going to be the guy that everyone's knocking the the door uh, down for but with the idea of why can't we be like la or new york or chicago where where live shows are happening every weekend yeah uh, for podcasts because that doesn't happen in philly quite yet not for not for podcasts and um i and i like i think this is the year where where the the you know it's going to change i think um it's the biggest year yet for the podcast fest it is uh it's it's just there's I don't know there's something in the air this year that I'm really excited about and I and obviously having you know uh, bigger name shows come in uh, has a lot to do with it but yeah it's um it's an exciting year for for Philadelphia and podcasting and I'm I'm excited to see what happens between now and the sixth annual podcast fest because I mean it 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 doubled in in the year that I was involved it's, so I can only imagine what happens in the next year. It's awesome, and it's all about building that community. I mean, the, the shows coming from the outside are great, and uh, you know, I, I'm glad that that Justin and Sydney are going to be there, uh, and the flap ho- the Flophouse Boys, and was it Harry Potter the Sacred Text? Is that yeah, the, yeah. the other? And then we're coming in like that's awesome. We love being a part of it, obviously, but it's also great to to have the community build up and everybody. You know, you create a rising tide and float all boats, and that's yeah. that. I think is what supports those live shows is like partnering up with with other shows and, and doing bills together. Like you did that, that time when you put the four shows together, um, that's, that's the stuff that, that you do that makes it sort of stand out as a pod. I don't think there is like a podcasting city right now because it's so remote by nature. There are a ton in LA, obviously there are a ton in New York, but you know, maybe Philly could be the podcasting city. I, I really, that's, it feels like the podcasting city. And maybe I'm saying that because I, I live it. Um, and I know a lot of podcasters in this area. Um, but I, I said that to a buddy of mine who is a podcaster in Chicago and he said, I was out of my mind. I said, I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, (laughs) because it's, it is, it just feels like, um, it is, it's something that could, uh, a, just another option really just for entertainment in the city that, right. that isn't there right now that I, I feel is missing um, but that's just me being a, uh, a podcast fanatic a podcast mark if you will <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that and I, I no. if Philly became the podcast city I would be thrilled Oh God! Yeah, we we need we need some sort of championship, and and I hope it's you know besides the uh, AFL, we need something besides the Philadelphia Soul. Uh, so Jeez. so maybe it's podcasting. Dude, I have a bet right now with with my buddy Steve, who is a Knicks fan. Uh, first of all, I bet him just I bet him nothing. I just said I'll bet you the Sixers make the Eastern Conference Finals before the Knicks, which I think is a slam dunk. But yeah. I have a bet that I made a few years ago that the that the Sixers would be five hundred or better. By this season, this is the last season to get to 500 or better. Or, and if I lose, I have to write like uh, I have to. I, he will write a post for me that I will have to post on social media, which will be <laughs> extremely embarrassing about how terrible Philadelphia sports is. But the best part is, if I win, then he has to pay me a fine every time he trash talks any Philadelphia team, oh, and I will have awesome. ears everywhere. I will get I will get rich off of his back. I think we can do it. I think we can do it this year. Come on, Philly. You know what? I am not uh, a big basketball uh, fan, but I will. I mean, hey, if I did root for a team, obviously I'm a I'm a Philly nerd, so I'm obviously going to go Sixers. But even more so now, I I'm going to start watching the games to help give those positive vibes. Thank you. Uh, 
to 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 so that you can get rich off those fines. Yeah, we need it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, is there anything you would like to plug uh, besides the podcast fest before we uh, we let you go? Well, I just want to add in for uh, for that show, we have Maureen Johnson as a guest who is also a a Filiarian native. Uh, oh, is now cool. a successful writer and, and podcaster herself. So if you, if you don't know who Mark and I are and you know who Maureen is, that's a great reason to come. But, uh, geez, you can you can go to my website, HalLublin.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at HalLublin. And you'll find all the links to the shows there. And go follow. Check out the stuff that I do. I really appreciate it. And especially the people in Philadelphia. I hope I see you next Friday. It would mean a lot to me to have a good hometown crowd there to see the show. Yeah. I, uh, and especially because, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed because the second half of the week, uh, the podcast fest, I'm on vacation. So I'm going to miss a lot of, uh, the stuff the, the, the second, uh, I like to be biased about the first half of the weekend cause I'm there, but honestly, a lot of the, um, the, at least the local stuff for sure. Like a lot of my favorite shows, are on that back half of the podcast podcast fest. So, uh, yeah, if you're listening to this and you need an excuse to see the Philadelphia podcast festival, uh, let it be hell, but go check out all the shows that you can. And yeah, support it's all, I mean, regardless of it being local Philly podcasters or guys like, uh, we got this with Mark and Hal or any, or the, the flop house or Sawbones or Harry Potter and the sacred text, you know, whether it's the, the, the smaller shows or the biggest shows, like it's all podcasting's all indie art. So just come out and support it because it's, um, I don't know for me, it means something. It, it, it means a lot to, to, uh, to support podcasting. So go do it. hundred percent. Uh, Hal, thanks for doing the show. Dude. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Oh God, I, I loved it. I, I didn't know because I, I I always get nervous when I have uh, a guy with a verified check mark on my show. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh God, this is like, it's all of a sudden it's real. <laughs> me and my check mark approve of this podcast. This podcast is now verified by me. <laughs> oh God, I want to put that at the head of every podcast. <laughs> please, please. Uh, all right. Uh, for everything is awesome. I'm Kev. You can find the show on Twitter at Real Awesome Pod. You can find me on Twitter where I do most of my nonsense on uh, at that nerdy Kev on Twitter. You can find the show on real uh, on awesomepodcast.com. Of course, we're part of the Core Temp Arts Podcast Network on coretemparts.com. Again, for everything is awesome, we've been awesome. Thank you for listening to the Core Temp Arts Podcast Network. To listen to more Core Temp Arts shows, visit coretemparts.com.